other emotions. Anger hides the other emotions. You say, Chuck, well, how, how do I contract, can, uh, correct this form of anger? Yep, I'm doing it. I, I don't want to do it anymore. A friend, you know the, one of the first things I tell you to do? I tell you to recognize that God is, God is using three negative emotions, guilt, shame, and fear, to reveal a need in you that He wants to meet for, for your benefit and His glory. You know, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Heavenly Father. But as a result of guilt, as far as guilt is concerned, if, it's, if it is legitimate, then acknowledge your sin. Ask for forgiveness. You know, if the assertion is not true that you're being confronted about, just acknowledge the other person's position and declare that you, have, you may have a different one. But don't put but in there like, I acknowledge your position, but just say, I acknowledge your position. And I'll, maybe you can say, I'll take it under serious advisement or I'll think about it. And ask for permission to clarify it or explain it if you need to. But avoid doing so without permission because chances are they're not going to receive it if you start explaining it without getting permission. And ask for shame if that's what you're feeling. And a person shames you inappropriately, you know, clearly state. State to them that you, 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 you do not accept that shame. Now, if you're worthy of the shame for your behavior, acknowledge it. Ask for forgiveness. and State you are going to purpose in your heart not to do that again. Do that again. But may I also remind you that Jesus Christ has taken your shame and put it on himself. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Friend, that's your shame and my shame. They realize often that the, the current guilt, shame, and fear really has a long-term history. It's just not something recent. Allow God to use those negative emotions to reveal that past history. It seems to, it seems to feed the current emotion you're feeling. You may need to identify uh, those who did this to you and, and, then, and then forgive them. In fact, we even have that tape, the Emotional Freedom tape. We'll tell you how more specifically how to do this. And then finally, uh, many uh, anger-based arguments are attempts to avoid those negative feelings. And when you're able just to say, I was wrong, you can take a two or three hour argument and knock it down to a 10 minute discussion by admitting you're wrong when it is appropriate and when you are wrong. Well, Chuck, how do you respond to those who use anger to avoid their negative feelings? Well, the first thing I've said to you all along, whatever you do, number one, do not reward their immature behavior by responding in an immature way. Immaturity is not an antidote for immaturity. Hello? Stay in charge of your own emotions. You know, softly inform them that you're willing to discuss the issue when it can be done in a mutually respectful way. Just, just reassure them that you want to, to work on the issue and to bring it to a mutually satisfying end. Whatever you do, though, do not view the offender's issues as only anger. Now, friend, you need to know that, that what they're doing is not just coming from anger. His or her anger may be a smokescreen for their guilt, their shame, and maybe their fear, you know, the fear of discovery, rejection, abandonment. 
by the way, this, this, this will help you target your prayers to their needs. And then stay focused on an issue and do not be distracted by their anger. Often a person will, will tell me that they can't tell someone anything because they will go ballistic. Well, the fear of this response has been rewarded with compliance in the past, so it's continued to be used. When the ballistic person realizes it did not distract you from the issue, they'll either change tactics or begin to reason with you as they see you're still accepting them and you're, not, and you're remaining calm, cool, controlled by God's Spirit. I just say, I want to discuss this with you, but I will not discuss it now while this is taking place. I'll take some time out. I promise to come back, but I do want to discuss it with you. That's very, very important of how to respond to someone that does this. Then the fifth unhealthy use of anger is anger to avoid responsibility. Now, what does that look like? Well, responsibility is like a, it's like a minefield field filled with potential failure, uh, feelings of inadequacy, uh, rejection, and loss of potential loss of self-esteem. And they're all ready just to blow up in your face. And you know, few people want to take full responsibility for their actions. You know, it's hard for me to do that. The functions of blame shifting of responsibility began quite early and began immediately after the first sin by Adam and Eve. Adam attempted to avoid responsibility for sin by telling God in Genesis 3:12, the woman, which is again her, whom you gave me, it's your fault. It's her fault, it's your fault. She gave me the tree and I ate. So it's your fault, God, it's her fault. But note, note here, it's important, that there was no previous human pattern for Adam to follow. He can't, he didn't say, when I saw my mom and dad do this. It was only the presence of sin that caused him to blame shift. And blame shift is the opposite of confession. And confession is the road to healing. Blame shifting is only the road for further alienation. Sin by definition means to miss the mark. You know, no one wants to admit they've failed. But that's the doorway to healing. Anger is just another way to avoid responsibility which comes from the presence of sin in our life. You know, he's playing the part, actually, of the fool. That's why in Proverbs 19.3 it says, The foolishness of a man twists his way. You know, he messes his way up. And then what he does? In his heart, he frets. He blames shifts against God. He frets against God. He messes up and then blames the Lord. You see, anger causes the recipient to, 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 to back off, react to the strong emotion, and avoid returning to the issue at hand. You know, children, again, are masters at this. I, I've mentioned tantrums already. <laughs> again, we're not talking about discipline here. We're just explaining some things. But tantrums are usually thrown to get adults to abandon a responsible decision that they have made and get them to change their minds because of the anger, not because it's the right thing to do. Adults use anger when confronted with the responsibility they should do or have failed to do. And people are intimidated by the angry person. Therefore, the, the person that's, that's on the other end of this will back off and conclude it's just not worth the conflict, so they do not continue on. Well, how, how can you break the habit of using anger as a tool to avoid responsibility if you're doing it? 
You know, I, I've said this several times already, friends, that God only gives grace for the truth. That's why, number one, you've got to honestly acknowledge to yourself that what is taking, what is taking place in the conflict the anger is being used to avoid responsibility. That's what you're doing. And then ask yourself, why fulfilling or failing to fulfill a responsibility is such a major problem with you? Why is it? What other negative emotions are behind the failure to be responsible? Do you have a fear of, a fear of failing, a fear of being inadequate, or a fear of not being loved? You know, what does pride play in your response? You need to think this through. And then step up the plate and assign to yourself, what is, what is your responsibility in the conflict? You know, honestly declare to yourself and to others, <clears throat> if necessary, what uh, you are now doing and what you're going to be responsible for. When you tell them that, you know, that, you know from this point on, I'm, I'm going to be responsible and then three, purpose to assume. You first identify what's taking place, assign responsibility, and then purpose to assume what is your responsibility. But do it without griping, whining, pouting, yelling, throwing a tantrum, sarcasm, or any other form of immature behavior. You know, assigning and assuming are two different functions. You can say, I, I know I should do this, but refuse to do it. You can assign a child a responsibility to clean up his room but he doesn't assume the responsibility to do it. You can sign a husband to lay down his life for his wife or a wife to respect her husband, but that doesn't mean they're going to do it. Assume it. That's why the fourth point is important. Purpose to fulfill. Identify, assume, assign, assume. Purpose to fulfill what is in your circle of responsibility. God only gives you grace for what is in your circle of responsibility. God only gives you power to do what he's asked you to do or to fulfill in Philippians 2.13. God only blesses the doers or fulfillers of his word and your responsibility, James 1.25. Then ask forgiveness. Whew, that's the hard one. Ask forgiveness for those that you have failed by not performing your own responsibility, of being the leader or being a respectful person. Again, use that simple phrase, I was wrong. And then four, whatever. No excuses, no defense. In fact, I want to insert right here, just remember a little fact of life. Defenders are losers. Defenders are losers. Rarely does a defender score points, unless there's been a reversal in the football game. But defenders are usually losers then ask for or, or even seek appropriate help to accomplish a responsibility that, that, maybe be, that maybe is difficult for you to perform. You may, you may not have had a, a father who, who emulated, illustrated to you how to be a husband. You may need to get some help. Maybe you had a mother who did not illustrate how to be a godly wife. Get some help. You may not know how to be a mother. Get some help. Whatever it takes to accomplish a particular task, get some help. Remember, humility is the front door to abundant grace. God only gives grace for the truth. And if we humble ourselves, he gives us an abundance amount of grace. 1 Peter 5.5 5. And then, as of today, in the sin-based 
sh blame shifting. Again, step up the plate yourself. Assign responsibility, assume responsibility, and then, like a man or woman, fulfill what's in your circle of responsibility. Yeah, but, wh but what do you do, Chuck, if how do I respond to someone who's irresponsible to me? Well, this will sound a little repetitive here, but do not reward his wrong behavior with passive compliance. You're only postponing the inevitable day when, it will, when you'll have to face it one way or another. Refuse to accept responsibility that's not yours. Refuse to accept their blame, their shame, their guilt trips. Just refuse within yourself or even verbally say, excuse me, I'm not, I won't be accepting that. And, and, and remember, the, the angry person has a choice to be bitter and angry and irresponsible or remain calm and be responsible. You know, stay focused on the issue or areas of responsibility. Again, that's important to do. Do not respond in anger to his anger. You know, not only is it wrong, but you lose power yourself. You lose the power yourself in a situation. That's what Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The, the, the conquering oneself is of greater virtue than conquering a city. Whoa! And then remember, this conflict's a spiritual battle. We've talked about this. Because the sin of the flesh is behind the anger, the old man, the old nature, it's been just, just been clobbered and clobbering. And remember, remember God will only hold you responsible for your own circle of responsibility. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he's done, whether good or bad or evil or whatever. And then finally, continue to be faithful in your own circle of responsibility. Just this little phrase in Ephesians 6.13 says, Having done all, to stand. That's incredible. To stand. The sixth unhealthy use of anger is to remove, use the use of anger to remove an obstacle. No, what, what do you mean by that? Well, when the will is blocked, anger can be an automatic emotional response. For example, if a door doesn't open, you may get angry and get the energy to push that door open. Now, if a person doesn't do what you want them to do, you may just get angry in an effort to get them to do it, again, to change control. A child may, not, may uh, not clean up his room until he is confronted by your anger. He may have been trained not to do anything until the parent gets angry. Same thing with your relationship with each other. The, the wife may not do something, or husband may not do something until there's a lot of anger. The goal of this anger is to remove the obstacle in order to accomplish a specific goal. Now the obstacle can be a person, it can be a place, a thing, a circumstance. It is. It's like the. Um, it's like the will has hit a brick wall, and anger is going to punch a hole through it. The will has hit this brick wall. This anger may be exhibited, I know, just to get our, our selfish way. This person will remain angry until they get their way. It's they just that's what they're going to do. They can even withdraw in anger in order to get their way. This is a kind of like a, we call a pouting. 
this gets in touch with your fear of abandonment. They know if they withdraw, that that'll cause you some pain. Usually, it's the other way around. And do not confuse determination with anger. Determination is a result of high energy under the control of patience, a fruit of the Spirit. But anger is a result of a blocked will, with God factored out, and is the fruit of the flesh. Galatians 5.20 Yeah, but, okay, Chuck, what if I am the one who's using anger to try to remove blocks to get my way? Well, <laughs> admit to yourself. Admit to yourself that those that, that uh, to yourself and those that you've done this to, that you have used anger selfishly to get your way. You know, this admission needs to be followed by the statement, again, we've said it each time, I was wrong, and request to be forgiven. And then I would strongly to do yourself a favor and, and, and test your emotion of anger. Well, how do you do that? Well, let yourself feel the anger. You mean, just give yourself permission to feel it, okay? And then ask God to take you back to the source of this anger. Was it a, a learned pattern from home? If it was, you need to, you need to forgive those who developed it, developed it in you. Is it just a developed pattern in life you've learned even after you've left home? Is it coming from a fear of failure, of not being in control? Or is it just plain, sheer old selfishness? You know, friend, just, just honestly face the anger source and deal with it in a very biblical fashion. You know, no grace apart from honesty. You'll get no grace apart from honesty. And consider the possibility, if you would, of, of a spiritual source, the blockage, or the obstacle. What do you mean, spiritual source? Well, you know, one of the blocks may be from God. Balaam's donkey in Numbers 22, 22 through 30, <laughs> God was using a donkey to try and stop Balaam. The Apostle Paul in Acts 16, 6 and 7, it says that, that, that he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. He was blocked by God's Spirit. In fact, God has even blinded the eyes of unbelieving Jews in John 12, 40. There's, there's, there's a prohibition, there's a blockage right there. Maybe the, the blockage spiritual sources from Satan. Paul's thorn was a messenger of Satan. We see that in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. In fact, in fact Paul wanted to come to Thessalonica. And, and we're told in, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 18, we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, time and time again. But Satan hindered us. In fact, Paul was hindered much from coming to the church of Rome. We see that in Romans 15.22. You may, you may need to ask, what, what need do I have? What need do I have that is getting blocked from being fulfilled? You might even ask the kind of a question related to it. Is there, is there another way of getting that need met? And then ask, is this blockage an opportunity to build endurance in me? James 1, 2 through 4. Frankly, I don't like that part. <laughs> Developing patience through this. You may need, may, even, you may, need, may need to even ask yourself, do I need to learn to rejoice in all things? 2 Thessalonians 5, 16. Or do I learn to need to give thanks in all things? 2 Thessalonians 5, 18. 
There's a lot that we can do here when our will is blocked and we can check it out. Well, well, well what do I do, Jack, when those who use anger to get their own way and they do it to me, what, what can I do? Well, sounds like a broken record, doesn't it? Just don't reward the angry person with passive compliance. It will only further enable him or her to develop a pattern, and this, this will be a pattern of selfishness, whether it's your children or a spouse. Well, what should a wife, for example, what, what should a wife do when her, husband's, when her husband's parents have pornography all over their house in plain view of children? And she, um, and she, her husband says, I want, we still need to go down and see my parents. Well, she has to, to talk adult to adult and respond as an adult, and may I say, refuse to go as an adult. Because there is a higher law than husbands. Pornography is a form of sexual abuse and is never condoned by God in any way, shape, or form. But you see, the goal, if his goal is just to spend time with the parents, fine. You may have to go to a neutral site where the pornography is not there. But again, you may, you may have to say, no, that's unacceptable, and we, will, and we will not be doing that. And that's why I say, furthermore, refuse to engage yourself with the angry person. You know, how in the world do you do that? Well, you may have to excuse yourself from the room. Excuse me, I'm not going there. Excuse me, I will not be continuing the conversation. Explain that you want to discuss it, but not in this manner or this form. You know, uh, don't shame the person. Don't call names. Just use that soft, firm voice. Again, Proverbs uh, ten nineteen. He who, he who restrains his lips, hmm, he is wise. And then, and then avoid attempting to explain yourself or your position, especially in the face of anger. Now, if the strong emotion is fully activated, frankly, the mind is usually shut down and it's a waste of time. If you reprove a fool, you're going to blot your own name. Well then, furthermore, do not use anger to respond to the anger. It's never productive. There's no power when you're out of control. As soon as you leave out of control, you leave God's, you've left God's power in your life. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a, is like a city broken down without walls. You know, they, only, they only make themselves vulnerable to further attacks when they get angry. Remember, the more angry you get, the dumber you act. You know, slow, controlled response reflects wisdom, understanding, especially understanding what's taking place. Proverbs 14, 29 says, He who is slow to wrath, he has understanding. But he who is impulsive, or short, or actually means short of spirit, exalts folly. And then we've got the seventh one here. It's been a long time, hasn't it? But this last one here I hope will be helpful to you. And how uh, this is an inappropriate, unhealthy use of anger to get revenge or to exact revenge or payback. What do we mean by that? Well, revenge really is a need to satisfy yours and my internal justice system or pay back an offense. Now, this need to satisfy justice is really imprinted in every heart by God at birth I mean, this, you're born with this need for it to be satisfied. You're not wrong for wanting it satisfied. In fact, every known culture that we're aware of has revenge laws or practices, even without any contact with Judeo-Christian literature. You know, in the outback of Australia, if someone steals a person's pig, they'll go and steal another person's pig or steal that person's pig back. They'll, they'll you know, they'll do they'll tit for tat, eye for an eye type of thing. 
Every internal justice system, however, is <laughs> greatly flawed. That's why revenge is a form of satisfying justice to our own satisfaction or relief. Revenge is a, pay, a repayment for an actual or even a perceived, a perceived loss. It's payment for pain, either physical or emotional. And the angers and emotions that can inflict desired emotional pain and injury in others. That for refusing to forgive somebody is a form of emotional revenge. Anger in itself can be a form of punishment, whether it's passive anger or active anger. And one can even mood alter, change their total mood for the use of anger. You ever heard that phrase, how sweet is revenge? Well, that sweet revenge comes, but soon turns into bitterness. Well, how do you use anger how do you use uh, anger to exact revenge? How do you correct it? Well, <laughs> you're right back to this old thing. Honestly admit to yourself how deeply you were hurt. Wait a minute, you said, uh, you were, I was thinking you were going to say something else. But no, honestly admit to yourself you were hurt. Oh, acknowledge the losses. Acknowledge the hurts to yourself. In fact, friend, it's okay to say ouch. Jesus did it on the cross. Say, I don't remember Jesus saying ouch. Well, Mark 15, 34. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The word why literally means for what reason? Man, these are cry, this is a cry of emotions. And the phrase having forsaken me literally means why did you abandon me? That, man, that's a cry of emotion. You know, Jesus experienced the unfathomable horror of separation from God who cannot look upon sin, Habakkuk 1.13. The abandonment by God was, in, was in, a, uh, in a judicial sense, not in a relational sense. Jesus was bearing the curse of sin and God's judgment upon sin. That's why it happened. 2 Corinthians 5.21 for he was made sin, Christ who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The emotion of anger is not in itself wrong. You know, it's how it's expressed that can be sin. Again, Ephesians 4.26, be angry or be provoked to anger, but being provoked, you do not have to act it out into sin. And understand that your, your revengeful anger has usually done something. When you get into your revengeful anger, you have usually factored God out of the equation. You've, you've factored God out of the scheme of justice. Remember, when emotions rule, the spirit is quenched. The evil one takes over. He begins his agenda to kill, steal, destroy. And that's why you need a purpose to factor God back into your pain. How? Well, just, just acknowledge to yourself, man. Acknowledge to yourself that revenge is legitimate. That's okay. Then affirm to yourself that God is the only legitimate revenge taker, not you. You know, God is the ultimate one responsible for taking revenge. You already knew this. Romans 12, 19, never take your own revenge, but leave room for the, leave room for the wrath of God. For it's written, revenge is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay 
God has designated some of that revenge to civil government. We see that in Romans 13.4. But you need to realize that anger as a form of revenge only perpetrates, perpetrates the cycle of bitterness and the loss of quality of life for yourself and for others. Okay, the sweet taste of revenge often turns to bitter pain. We've always said that. A woman in Germany in the military killed her two children to get back at her husband who allegedly was having an affair. Do you have any idea how she's going to feel once her anger subsides and she looks at the fact she's killed her two children? Furthermore, transfer. Transfer the offender over to the Lord Jesus. The word forgive is made up of two words. It just means to send away. Forgiveness not only only makes sense in the light of, of Christ's death on the cross, he, he, it's the ultimate payment for the sin. And then you know what you need to do? Ask God to forgive you for your own anger, your own bitterness, your own resentment. You know, take the power and control of your life from the evil one. Take it back. Keep it. Use it for His glory. And finally, you know, you know the hardest part you're going to have? My opinion is accepting on yourself the consequences of the loss you've experienced from their sin. I had to do this to my alcoholic father. When I forgave my dad, it did not undo history, but it did end the control of history. You'll have to live with the losses. You have your choice. You either live in blessing and freedom or bitterness and bondage. That's your choice. You can choose. You say, well, Chuck, what do I do if, if this is being done to me? How can I respond? Can I suggest, before you do anything, recall God's pattern of response to unjust treatment? You know, a passage that just kind of, oh, it's hard for me to, to just greatly appreciate, frankly, 1 Peter 2, 21-23 says, For this reason you have been called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you and I should follow in his steps. And then, and then Peter quotes from Isaiah 53, 7, and says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Then, then Peter continues with his commentary. Who, when he was reviled, verbally abused, did not revile in return. When he suffered physical abuse, he did not threaten in return. Well, then what did he do? But he kept committing himself to him who judges righteously. Now note, Jesus was innocent. He was declared innocent seven times in Scripture, then killed. One of the reasons he suffered was to give you and me an example to follow when we are hurt. In fact, the word example literally means underwriting. It's only used here in the New Testament. You know what? It refers to a writing or a, a drawing that a student reproduces or traces over. The reproduction would be an exact, not similar reproduction. The hard part? Well, the hard part to accept is you were called or called out by God to suffer for doing good. Remember the world system really hates God. They hate the light. They hate God. Because their, their, their behavior is basically evil. God, good exposes evil. People love darkness, evil, and hate light and truth. 
You were singled out of a line of society to hurt when you do good things. For you, it's a sign of your sonship of God. But you know something? For them, it's a sign of their condemnation if they do not repent of their sin. Well, you just still didn't answer my question, Chuck. What did Jesus do when he was hurt? Well, the phrase, he kept entrusting himself to God, who judges righteously, this means he kept on repeatedly entrusting his fate, his reputation, his losses, and revenge to him who knows how to judge based on righteousness and to exact revenge for it for eternity. Jesus did not do this. Jesus did not just entrust his, himself to the Father once. He had to keep doing it. And that's why there's an imperfect verb used there. He kept entrusting. He kept doing it. It's a, it's a past tense thing that he had to keep on doing, not just once and for all, just like we have to keep doing and then transfer the, the, the vengeful person over the Lord Jesus Christ for the purpose of being judged based on pure righteousness. Again, friend, that word forgiveness means to send away. And, and, and picture, picture in your mind a destination in your, in your head. I've used in my book, I Should Forgive, but the concept in chapter 4 of the Jesus jail. Picture them being put into the Jesus jail if you have to. And then, if appropriate, Acknowledge where, where you were wrong. And if possible, make some restitution. Again, those hard words, I'm sorry. Not I'm sorry, but I was wrong. Excuse me. Don't say I'm sorry, but say I was wrong. See, confession is not being sorry. You know, that's a kind of a sadness for our sin. We confess our sin to God. He does not just want us to say, I'm sorry. He wants us to, to name the action and call it what it really was. It was sin. That's the essence of confession, agreeing with God. Plus, you often do not have the emotions behind the words, I'm sorry, so they go there. And that gets translated as insincerity, rejection, and all kinds of stuff. Furthermore, realize that, that the one acting out of revenge has given themselves over to the evil one. And that now you are not in combat with flesh and blood but against Satan himself and his principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places, Ephesians 6, 15, Ephesians 6, 12, I mean. You want, to know, you want a hard project? Bless the offender. Bless the avenger. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, Do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, while knowing that you were called to do this, that you may inherit a blessing. The word blessing means to speak well of someone. It's different from the word blessed, which means fortunate or privileged. You are to speak well of them, both to God and to others. To God, what do you do? Matthew 5, says, Pray for those who persecute you. I've had to do that. And then to others, Paul said, When we were persecuted, we blessed. 1 Corinthians 4.22 God will, will turn the revenge into a blessing or a benefit for you either in time, my friend, or it may have to be in eternity. In time, loss pales into insignificance in the light of eternity. Finally, stay in your circle of responsibility. There is where your power and your blessing is. For God only record, rewards doers of His Word, not people who know, but those who do His Word, not the knowers who fail to do it. In James 1, 25. Well, it was kind of a long tape, wasn't it? You endured to the end. You know, again, there are the seven unhealthy uses of anger. 
But let me ask you, have you been using anger to change someone's behavior? Or has it been happening to you? Have you used anger to try to control other people? Or has that been happening to you? Have you been using anger to manipulate someone? Or has that been happening to you? Have you used anger to avoid negative responsibilities or, excuse me, negative emotions? Or has that happened to you? Has someone been using anger to avoid their responsibility? Or has that happened to you? Has someone uh, used anger to remove an obstacle in their life and you happen to be the obstacle? Or is that happening to you? Is somebody exacting revenge on you and using anger as a form of revenge? Does that happen to you? Friend, it's my prayer that you at least understand what's taking place. And then, having done what's in your circle of responsibility, you can stand having done all. And I promise you, you'll be blessed. It may not be in time, but it will be for all eternity. Bless you.